Okay, the midterms are over, and there are two clear winners that you may not have heard of. But before I tell you who they are, let me tell you who lost. Number one, Donald Trump and the mega mega lost. And number two, the progressive left and the hyper woke lost. I'm Bill Shireman, disrupting the dividers. Why do I say Donald Trump lost the midterms? Well, first and foremost, because of all the high-profile candidates that he staked his reputation on. Only J.D. Vance was able to win his Senate seat in Ohio. Mehmet Oz lost to John Fetterman in Pennsylvania's Senate race. The hardcore MAGA Doug Mastriano lost in his race for Pennsylvania governor. The steady conservative Brian Kemp, who distanced himself from Donald Trump, won his gubernatorial race against Stacey Abrams in Georgia, and Ron DeSantis, a MAGA Republican with the competence to actually govern, won decisively in Florida. And in a very telling and surprising outcome, Lauren Boebert appears to have lost her third congressional seat in Colorado to Adam Frisch. Now, there were hundreds of Republicans who were election deniers who won their races, but election denial was not the reason. In fact, one big loser of the race this year was election denial itself. The strategy of election denial, which actually led Republicans to discourage early voting by Republicans so they would have a clear path to challenge those early votes and electoral outcomes that they disagreed with. That strategy clearly backfired, particularly in Pennsylvania, where the Democrats were able to pull in 5 million early ballots most of them likely for John Fetterman, even before the big debate that raised concerns about Fetterman's health. So Republicans who believe that the party needs to figure out how to win as a minority party by reducing electoral turnout, depending on the electoral college, discouraging early voting, these are policies that are not only counter to democracy, but they're also counter to the best interests of the party. So Donald Trump was one of the losers Tuesday night. But the progressive left hyperwoke also lost on Tuesday night. Pedro O'Rourke in Texas and Stacey Abrams in Georgia lost their campaigns for governor when, if they had shifted their appeals more to folks in the middle, or if their opponents had shifted more decisively toward MAGA, they could have won. Another loser last night was the partisanized Supreme Court. Republicans broke the Faustian bargain that they had secured with Roe versus Wade when they actually forgot that abortion is supposed to be a wedge issue that they never resolve. They brought in a Supreme Court that actually voted Roe versus Wade out. Now, beforehand, Republicans could safely claim to be firmly anti-abortion without losing the votes of the Republican majority that supports choice. Now they have brought political reality down upon themselves in a move that alienates young voters, women voters, college-educated voters across the very broad center, where about 70% of us don't like abortion, but don't believe it should always be banned, because we also don't like the government imposing its will on women or anyone. So the common theme among those who lost was that they were rigid and extreme in their political views. They were in denial about realities that they didn't want to accept. So who did win? Well, the winners were the bridge voters. Voters able to see both sides, whether they're progressive or conservative in their overall orientation, they're able to make logical distinctions, to choose governance over rhetoric, to choose common sense over ideology, to choose problem-solving over polarization, to cross over when it makes sense, 
to elect Republican David Valadeo in a heavily Democratic district against a very liberal Rudy Salas, because Valadeo is a problem-solving Republican who has a strong platform for clean energy and climate protection and is willing to defy his own party's expectations by voting to impeach President Trump and then challenge the legitimacy of the January 6th insurrection in the state where Glenn Youngkin proved that a different kind of Republican could win the governorship. Two Democrats, Abigail Spanberger and Jennifer Wexton, were able to win re-election by being problem-solver candidates against challengers who were more hyper-partisan. Adam Frisch has perhaps been the preeminent problem-solver in congressional races across the country in apparently defeating Lauren Boebert, the firebrand mega-Republican who had a chance to prove herself to also be a problem-solver but has not yet taken that chance. And in a sign of things to come, perhaps the most courageous and accomplished of these problem-solver candidates, Evan McMullen, was able, as an independent, to secure more than 40% of the votes in Utah and put a real scare into Senator Mike Lee. So these midterms produced a result that was very different from what the media had prepared us for. Republicans created an expectation of a red wave, hoping that that would reduce Democratic turnout. Democrats exceeded the expectations of a red wave, winning a war of perceptions by failing to lose as badly as they expected to in the House. The bottom line is a narrow Republican victory in the House that gives the incoming presumptive speaker, Kevin McCarthy, less room to move and more challenges to his own power. That points to the other winner of the midterms. The power brokers who depend on Americans being neatly divided into a left and right echo chamber. They take the real American majority, that middle 70% of us, and to the left half of us, they amplify the most angry nonsense of the right to push us into our single blue echo chamber and they amplify the most elitist of the left to frighten the right half of us into the deep red echo chamber. They still win the power game because now, with a smaller margin of victory for Republicans in the House, paradoxically, it's the most extreme Republicans who will gain the most power. Speaker McCarthy may find it very difficult to secure a real majority of support across the country because when he steps beyond the MAGA comfort zone, He may be pushed back hard by members who demand ideological purity in the party. Here's how we can empower our own community of bridge voters across partisan lines to break the stranglehold of the power brokers that keep us divided. Right now, the voters that are most in play, the most likely to be bridge voters, are young people and women, particularly college-educated and suburbans. And the one issue that will probably decide where they go is the issue of energy and climate. Neither party has yet put forth a position on energy and climate that can capture the broad middle. Democrats have clearly staked out climate change as an issue that's to their benefit, and they're right. But they're not going to be able to advance climate change without also assuring that we have sure supplies of energy at affordable pricing and that we maintain our national security. Separate yourselves from climate denial on the right and climate defeatism on the left. Support real climate solutions that keep energy affordable, protect our national security, and enable energy independence. That doesn't fit with the narratives on the far left or the far right, but it gives us a solution set that can unite Americans across the partisan divide 
lead us to more competitive, real electoral races where bridge voters can make the difference and provide us with a secure, prosperous, and sustainable future. And I'm pretty sure that's not BS. But let me know what you think, because I am BS, and I'll see you next time.